For part one of our first interview, Dr. Stephen Lindheim chats with Dr. Victor Gomel. Sit back, grab a cup of coffee, and enjoy what we think are valuable lessons about our history, sparking innovation, and newer surgical applications of reproductive surgery. Hi, I'm Steve Lindheim, and today we're honored to have Victor Gamel to talk with us and chat about his history and some of the legacy that he leaves behind. I'd like to introduce Dr. Gamel. He holds the rank of Professor Emeritus in the Department of Obstetrics and Gynecology, Faculty of Medicine at the University of British Columbia. He served as the chairperson of his department for 15 years, during which the department was greatly expanded and attained international recognition. Dr. Gamel is internationally known for his pioneering work in both gynecologic microsurgery and operative laparoscopy. Through his experimental work over the many decades, was designed to elucidate the functions of the fallopian tube and to better understand the tubal and peritoneal factors that cause infertility. He also established an IVF program in Vancouver in 1981, and under his leadership, this program was the first to achieve success, resulting in the live birth on December 25, 1983, of the first baby in Canada. Dr. Gomel is also responsible for the establishment of a master's and PhD program, Reproductive and Developmental Sciences within his department, which has been operative since 1984. Dr. Gomel has also authored a long list of scientific articles published in the prestigious international uh, journals, including numerous book chapters and multiple edited books. His most recent book is Reconstructive Reproductive Surgery and Gynecology in 2010 with a second updated edition that was published in 2019. He is also on multiple editorial boards of important international scientific journals. He has received honorary memberships and awards of excellence from numerous international scientific societies and universities, including his own faculty of medicine in recognition of his pioneering work in reproductive medicine and operative laparoscopy. Dr. Gomel is also the recipient of the prestigious distinction a Chevalier of the Order of Legion d'Honneur awarded by Jacques Chirac, President of France in 2003. In 2008, he was elected Fellow of the World Academy of Art and Science, and in 2009, he received the degree of Doctor of Science Honoraris Causa from the Simon Fraser University. He has been awarded honorary membership by the European Society of Human Reproduction and Embryology in 2012 and the AAGL in 2015. In 2013, he was awarded the prize Jacques Célèbreur in reproduction for the National Academy of Medicine in France. He has since been elected as foreign member to the same academy. He was awarded the rank of Professor Honoraris Causa by the National Medical Research Center for Obstetrics, Gynecology, and Perinatology of the Russian Federation. And lastly, in 2018, he received the Medal of the Order of Valor from the government of Cameroon. It is with great pleasure that I welcome Dr. Gomel. Welcome, Dr. Gomel. It's a pleasure to have you today. Good morning, Stephen. Uh, it's very nice to chat with you. Well, we really appreciate this. And it is the vision of this podcast and video is to gain some insights regarding you and, and how you see where we were and where we're going and uh, maybe impart a few lessons to our audience today. But the first question that I would very much like to ask is the following. Who is this handsome man? <laughs> it's me, the young Victor. Tell me, where were you and how old were you there? This was obviously in Vancouver, and I would be about 32 years old. Wow, you're a very handsome man there. 
Can you uh, tell me a little bit about yourself? Where were you born? When were you born? And tell me a little well, bit about your family. I was born in Turkey, in the Aegean coast, in a city called Izmir. If you look at Izmir, when I was born, you know, I am now an old boy. That was the most advanced uh, in terms of modernity. It was a very international city. When I went to college, there was all kinds of people there. Locals, there were French, Italian, Greeks. You know, it was like United Nations. Victor, tell me, where did you do your medical training, your undergraduate work? And yeah, I, you know, my family was a middle-class family. My father was an incredible person, pathologically honest, very much respected, spoke several languages, and uh, he believed in education. He would do anything to for us to get good education, to the extent that while I, in, at public school, they would uh, take a person who had to be, a, a boy who had to be seven years of age. In, at five years of age, I knew two languages already. My mother tongue is French, and then I knew Turkish. And he ended up, although, you know, probably it was beyond his means, he put me to the only private school in the city. I found later that uh, because of who he was, they only took half tuition. So I was already two years ahead. Then I went to a French college, College uh, Saint-Joseph, and there most kids had to go to learn French to a class before they actually you know, it was a year lost just to learn French. So I didn't need to do this year. So suddenly I was at uh, 10 and a half years of age with people who were two or three years my older. Then I went to medical school. I graduated. Medical school was a magnificent school because I was there. This is in Istanbul. And the Istanbul Medical School, before the World War, was had a, a maybe you heard that Turkey had a president who was very visionary and uh, he took a lot of professors. You see, Einstein sent a letter to the president offering him some 40 professors for them to come to Turkey. The letter was sent from Paris. And I have a copy of the letter. I can send it to you. That would be great. Yeah. And, uh, but the letter didn't go to the president. It went to the prime minister who sent it to the minister of education. And the minister of education replied that it was against uh, the law or something like this. But when, when eventually the president got the, uh, information that that letter was there. He phoned Einstein. He wanted him to come, but he already had a contract with Princeton. He told him that. And he brought 300 professors and did the completely change the Istanbul University. 
Buddhist people, giving the, each of them a translator. And I ended up having the last years of these people. And they were, in, you know, you couldn't believe the inspiration you got to them. If you have time, I'll give you a little example, but this is making me talk too long. For example, the professor, the faculty of medicine was six years. And it, it had initially physics, biochemistry, all of that. And the physics professors, professor was a genius. He would, um, for everything he would do on stage, we had a big amphitheater, a huge stage, and in stage he would do experiments. The last lesson was on quantum physics. And this man, after the lecture, he did an experiment. He took uh, from a record player, he took the vibrations, passed them through a water bath and various places. And then we saw on the left side of the screen, the lamp kept on and off lighting. And that was taken with a screen on the other side of the stage. And it passed through various places, water, bath, and so on. And then from a speaker, we heard La Vie en Rose. Okay. La Vie en Rose is Life in Pink, sang by this famous French singer. And then the man let us listen to the whole song and then he starts saying, do you know, you are young. Yes, life is pink. But life could be pink even when you are 60 years old, 70 years old. And he probably was 65 or 70 years old. He says, but you have to keep your child in you, your curiosity. I mean, the stuff he said, you know, wasn't physics. Right. He was telling you how to live. I finished medical school at 22 years of age. I got, and then, you know, again, my life revolves around chance encounters. One of the chance encounters, you see, in those days, between Izmir and Istanbul, the shortest time by which you could go was 22 hours. I can go from here to Izmir now in 15 hours. And that little space was 22 hours. You would take a train at nine o'clock in the morning from Izmir. You would arrive at the Bandarma, which is uh, Marmara Seas on the south. And a boat, choo-choo boat, would take you at eight o'clock in the evening. And you would arrive in Istanbul at 6 a.m. or 7 a.m., depending on the mm -hmm. speed of the boat. So... You know, I was there alone and I had uh, to work to also, you know, be able to live because, you know, my father told me he can give me so much a month. And two or three months later, I told them, send me half. You're a good man. So, and uh, medical school, I truly enjoyed. And at the same time, I worked. And despite being in medical school, because I had to leave always, unless there was um, that I had to leave to do, for example, cadaver dissection or something, I had to leave school at about three o'clock, you know, to earn a living. And my friends were, yes, I had friends from medical school, but the ones with whom I stayed had nothing to do with medicine. 
they were poets, they were writers, they were businessmen, you know. So I was doing medicine. I was getting books from France because of my French to learn better. But at the same time, I had a lot of French literature and Turkish literature. Tell me, when did you come to North America and tell me about your family? My family stayed there. While I was in medical school, the last two, three years, I was working for a small uh, factory that made medicines, but not antibiotics, but other things. And I would go to visit doc doctors to, you know, as a people here that visit your office to tell you about drugs. And summertime, I went to a city and in the train, someone sat behind me, was a professor from University of Laval in Quebec, who was a professor of ancient uh, civilizations. He was interested in Greek and Roman civilizations and came to see uh, the sites in Turkey because they are so... Anyway, where I was going, he was going a little further to see a site there. So, you know, we started to talk. He asked me a lot of things about Turkey and so on. And he stayed with me the night till next day while I was seeing doctors. You know, it doesn't take long. When you have a medical rosette, you know, they know you're a medical student and they would take you. So this guy left and we couldn't actually, he, with all that, I spoke to him about Turkey. He created a tiny little book. He sent it to me. And a few months later, he said, will you be this summer in, in Istanbul? I will, I will come. So he came and he told, and by then he was elected dean of the faculty of letters. What year is this? Uh, this would be, this would be 1956. Okay, so keep going. Okay, and he tells me, look, uh, he says, you know, now I am, I become dean and so on. He said, we in Canada, we need people like you. He said, why don't you write a letter to the dean of the faculty of medicine? And he gave me his name. So I wrote a letter. Oh, he said, you know, I said, Dr. Maurice Lavelle told me to, and so on. So the letter I got was not very positive. He says, oh, for a foreign graduate, this is very onerous. I even looked at the, at the, I knew what honors was, but I still looked at the dictionary and I didn't answer. But in the end, I did come to Canada and I came to Canada in 1958, June. That's when I was born. So that's why I am older. So tell me, you came to Canada in 1958. Where, uh, tell me about your family. You know, my father was a unique individual. He married late because uh, his father died and he left him six siblings from another mother. Because when my father was 12 years of age, his mother died and the father got married, had six children and died. And my dad had to look all after all of them. When I was born, they were a stepmother 
his mother, stepmother, and uh, I think three, one aunt and two uncles in the house. And my mother was a unique woman to accept this. So in other words, you know, he was an exemplary man. He was so honest that one morning, I was 10 years of age, we are walking in the street and I see a wallet. So my father picks it up. There is no identity. There is full of money and I am very happy. And my father says, this is not our money, somebody's money. So he goes to the police station. I am telling my father, I said, the police will take the money. He says, it's not my money. The police, it's his job to look after this. So he goes, we enter, he asked for the chief. They said, what do you want? He says, look, I want to see the chief. So we go to his room. He says, sir, he says, I found this money. There is no identity. I will leave it with you, but I want you to give me a statement that I gave you. We will count the money and you will give me a statement that you took this money to find whoever. That's what he did. Very honorable. Do you have any children? Do you have any grandchildren? Yes, yes. So I had two siblings, my, uh, my, my own. I have a sister and a young brother, both very successful. So I got married. Uh, I came to Canada, as I told you. I stayed in Montreal four years. I did a rotating internship, which was required. Then on my own, I wanted to do general surgery for a year. At Saint, and uh, at St. Mary's Hospital, the GYN chief was a lovely man, and he, he treated me like I was his son. He wanted me actually to do obstetrics and gynecology and to go back and work there. So what happened is I did the second year was general surgery. Then I went to the McGill program to do two years of obstetrics and gynecology, and then I had to do some basic sciences. So during the McGill course of two years, they rotated us. And my first rotation, they sent me to the St. Mary's Hospital again. And, you know, it was wonderful because, you know, I had learned a hell of a lot of surgery. And the chief resident who was in the department of Mastroianni, they didn't do much surgery there. So I scored very well. And, you know, really he wanted me to come back. Anyway, during that time, I wrote my exams. And two years later, you know, I had, I could practice medicine if I wanted. So I decided to register somewhere that I could because they were selling me uh, life insurance. And when I found what life insurance was, I said, this is death insurance. I don't need death insurance. And <laughs> I thought that my insurance would be if something, you know, if I need to earn, because in those days, although we worked uh, very hard, the money they gave us was an honorarium. It wasn't sufficient for me to rent a 20 square meter place. I lived five years in, in whatever hospital I was in one of the on-call room. They had, you know, the room said always, obviously toilet and shower and everything. So five years like this. Well, after the second year, 
I decided to see the rest of Canada and to register as a physician in a province so that if I needed, I could do general practice and earn some money. So I decided to do that in Alberta. And in the interim, I visited several cities, went to their college of physicians and surgeons, some of them to see what was going on. And when I came to Vancouver, because uh, one of the student nurses in Montreal was from Vancouver, told me to see his mom. She had sent a letter to the mother and she said she would be delighted to to show me around. She told me, look, my mother is lovely. Don't bother with my father. So... To make a long story short, I came to Vancouver. The mother took me around for a couple of days, told me to go and have dinner on a Thursday or, or a Friday. I don't remember into her house. But then as I arrived there with a little uh, sunflowers I bought going there, she opened the door. She said, oh, Victor, I forgot we are invited to a doctor's place today. And I was shy in those days. I said, okay, I come another day. No, 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 no. She took me like she was my mother by my hand. She took me to, we walked to someone else's house. And she says, we will give the flowers to them. So we entered the house. She says, I'll give the flowers. And she disappeared. I never moved from that. So whoever talked to me, I talked. And then the host came. He says, oh, they tell me we have a young man here and so on. He started quizzing me. And then after he quizzed, and I told him what I was doing, he said to me, you will need a year of basic sciences. Yes, I said, I know that. And I left that to the end so that I wouldn't, I could uh, study for the exams. He says, you know, I am the head of department of pathology at the hospital and at university. He says, why don't you come and do it here? So I came to Vancouver for a year and I'm still there. Well, that's very good. I have two kids, one daughter who is vice president of marketing in a big company. And I have a son who is a lawyer and very successful. Can you tell me about your wife? My wife was a lovely woman who insisted to marry me. Everything was very well until, let's say, seven or eight years after the marriage. She completely changed. Depression, this and that. And she started to tell me, let's get divorced, let's get divorced. But I didn't want my kids to live anywhere else. So until my kids told us we should separate and until they were 18 years of age, I didn't leave the house. And it was very difficult for me because that was the time when they forced me to become head. Did you ever remarry? I never remarried. I had two kids. That was enough. Obviously, I had uh, friends who wanted to get married. I said, no. Tell me the names of your children. My daughter is Monique and my son is David. Monique, I put the name. <laughs> my daughter was born when I had a South African and I had, you know, I used before I became head, I used to operate three days a week from morning till evening at the hospital. And you see, Monique was born then and she needed a forceps and so on. So between two cases, I was able to see the birth. When David was born, I had to wait for the 
lady who was going to come to stay with her and the driver couldn't find the house by then he was born and when i came to see david the mother had already given the name very interesting i have two granddaughters one from monique uh, david isn't married yet but uh, he has uh, someone that looks serious and monique has a lovely three-year-old girl, beautiful kid, and a 10-month other girl, also very, very... These are your grandchildren? These these are your grandchildren or great-grandchildren? No, no, no. These are my grandchildren. Wow, that's fabulous. That's wonderful. Yeah, Monique uh, is my daughter, and David is my son, and Monique has two girls.